Hello, Dragoons. This is Command Sergeant Major Michael Burke, and today's podcast is going to be about Sergeant First Classes. When you put on the rank of Sergeant First Class, it's almost like when you pin on from specialist to sergeant. It's a whole different realm. So I'm going to say something. It's going to be the smartest thing that I've ever said on this podcast. I should be able to leave for the day and my PL can go to a first sergeant meeting. You're going to have at least twice as much, sometimes more experience than the officer who your counterpart is. Everybody remembers their first platoon sergeant, whether it was a soldier or a lieutenant. And the question is, is was it a good impact or was it a bad impact? And the goal of this podcast is to give some tips and some lessons learned. How can you have a positive impact on your formation? So before we kind of dive into this, I'm going to go around the horn and I'll let everybody introduce this interesting crowd that I have before me today. Hello, everybody. Lightning Troop First Sergeant, Philip McCarthy, 3-2. 3-2 Wolfpack. Wolfpack. This is Staff Sergeant Seth Marshall. I'm a 35 Fox Intelligence Analyst. I'm in First Squadron. First Squadron. War Eagles. All right. Hi, I'm First Sergeant Jessica Torres. Um, I'm in RSS Alpha Troop Pack Horse, 88 Zulu. What the hell is an 88 Zulu? It's an 88 Mike or 88 know, Series <laughs> wrapped up in one. So Mule Skinners. All right, good. So we got a good representation today. You know, we got a little bit different backgrounds, MOSs. So when we talk about Sergeant First Classes, obviously we have two First Sergeants in here. So one, you've already been a Sergeant First Class, but then we also have Staff Sergeant Marshall in here who has not been a Sergeant First Class yet. So why do you think we wanted you to come on this podcast? I think like a lot of the section NCOICs kind of have to deal with a lot of the same elements that platoon sergeants have to deal with. Absolutely. Um, we kind of have to go talk to all the different bosses, deal with responsibilities in different areas. Very relevant, exactly what you're talking about. But I think another thing I want you to think about throughout this podcast as well is that you're not a Sergeant First Class yet. You have the most relevant kind of firsthand knowledge of what we should be expecting of platoon sergeants. You have sergeant first classes that you work for and you see some good things and some bad things and maybe things that they could do a lot better. On top of that, you're probably thinking of, hey, when I'm a sergeant first class, I want to make sure I don't do things that way as well. So I think your your kind of contribution to this podcast would be very pivotal and I'm excited to have you. So for Sergeant Phillips, I want you to think of yourself as a sergeant first class. When were you a platoon sergeant last? October of last year. Simon. Okay, so yeah. it's been about a year. So yeah. it's pretty fresh yep. in your mind. First Sergeant Torres, when were you a Sergeant First Class? 2018. All right, so I'm going to age myself. I was promoted to Master Sergeant in 2014. What do you think the most important things, you know, our junior, senior, non-commissioned officers do? Mentorship. I think mentorship and the ability to build that PL. Okay. As, you know what I'm saying? Know okay. that next company commander. Okay. So I think it's twofold. All right. We'll come back to yeah. the officer piece. Okay. We'll come back mm -hmm. to that kind of officer dynamic because that's another pivotal thing too. Mm -hmm. Staff sergeants and other NCOs, they don't have that kind of counterpart that they're paired with. So it's definitely a difference in the ranks and that, that, the role. So when we talk about the mentorship piece, you know, first our tour is why do you think that the mentorship piece is so important at our first class level? The Sergeant First Class, in my opinion, has the ability to work internal and external. Okay. They manage the coordination and execution to make the vision happen. So the First Sergeant's vision or the commander's intent. intent, their ability is imperative because now the PL says, hey, this is what the commander wants. And then he facilitates that by 
kind of being a puppet master with those staff sergeants and those soldiers making, you know, tasking them out and having them conduct the mission and the taskings mm -hmm. while observing and supervising, ensuring that everything's going the way it's supposed to. I agree. You talk about a certain first class, obviously they have the PL you know, that they're working with on the day-to-day -day stuff. But also, is it that unusual as a Sergeant First Class to go and have a conversation about maybe the ammo drop, the eyeball drop times, the allocations and everything with the XO, grabbing the PL, you and the PL going and sitting in front of the troop commander and having a conversation about your training plan for the next week? They should be doing mm -hmm. that. That's quite a jump because there's not very many staff sergeants that are doing that in our Army. I'm going to ask Sergeant Marshall this question now. What's the most important thing that Sergeant First Classes do? So if it was one single thing, I'd say it's being a master of what your job or your craft is. Okay. So being that expert, why is that so important at that level? You know, you're responsible for mentoring people above you, newly minted officers, and then you're responsible for any number of people below you. So as a platoon sergeant, you are the train the trainer. So you need to have that expertise, whatever role you're filling, uh, to have that expertise because you are literally going to be training the trainer. I show up to University of Washington, Seattle, and I am a ROTC instructor up there. That was very different than being a platoon sergeant in Ranger Regiment. The job was, is I was training and teaching, you know, not only the tactical tasks, but the administrative stuff, the engaged leadership kind of concepts for these future officers, because what they were actually then in turn doing is they were the ones teaching the sophomores and the freshmen. So they were the trainers, you know, with the training audience. So in a sense, I was still the trainer training the trainer. So there was many things that I had to dig into the weeds about and I had to pull up doctrine about and study so that I can make sure that what I was teaching them, one, was relevant, two, was doctrinally sound, um, but then also, you know, that I had the confidence in that I can instruct them and give them the step-by-the-step -the -step stuff so that they could train their junior classmen. I think that's something, you know, if I'm just being frank, has been kind of a lost art. At the Sergeant First Class level, there's no more room for error. If you don't know something, then you better find out the way and you better spend your own time becoming that subject matter expert because everybody's going to be turning to you for the answers. Kind of come back to that development piece that mm -hmm. we're talking about with the two first arts here. How many times do your platoon arts come to you with problems that they are more than capable of solving? That's every day. Okay. And I think how I look at it, it's if every time somebody comes to you and you just give them the answers, you're yep. helping the situation. You just, yep. Giving just, them a fish. <laughs> you know giving them a fish. Yeah. Yep. Versus... They come in and you, you listen to the problem because sometimes it's really a problem, but something you can guide, mentor real quick and say, go back. Yep. And I think some um, some first classes lose focus on, hey, man, this is your wheelhouse. Yeah. And I think a lot of times they just don't know what's their wheelhouse. You can have, they don't know what's their, their job. And I think that's what we lack in Simon's that platoon sergeant comes to you because you think, oh, this is a first sergeant problem. No, it's not. <laughs> this is a you problem. Yep. And that's why I try to listen and then, hey, do you think about doing this? Yeah. And then go back because that's the only way they can take over my job. I think some of it, though, also is that the, the soldiers get promoted so fast now uh -huh. that they lack that experience. We have plenty of sergeant first classes that don't have children uh -huh. or have never been married. And then yeah. they ask the question, the soldier, their spouse, can I tell the spouse to do this? No, yeah. <laughs> you can have a conversation with the spouse, but it's just kind of like giving them that understanding of you're giving them that guidance on yeah. life Yeah, because they just don't have that experience. I agree. You have a little bit of a point there. Um, I will say, though, that the Army's promoted people quick 
for a very long time, but even prior to the GWAT, um, you know, depending on what you had the ability to do. And I guess I, you know, I do have a different perspective. I grew up in Range Regiment. We all get promoted quick. I remember being a team leader. I had a married soldier that had two kids. You know, I had another one that was 36 years old and I'm a 19 year old kid. But at the same time, these different kind of things like family, hey, getting them enrolled in deers, you know, I didn't know all the answers to that stuff. So what did I do? Well, I went and found the people that did know. So going over these different agencies and asking the hard questions so I could figure out, so I could properly advise these soldiers. So I'm going to say something. It's going to be the smartest thing that I've ever said on this podcast. So this is from Socrates, and I think it plays exactly into your point first, Arn. Tell me, and I will forget. Show me, and I will remember. Involve me, and I will understand. As the Sergeant First Classes, we can't just always be the easy button. Mm -hmm. And in fact, sometimes we just have to purposely let people fail. So they learn the hard lesson, you know, or even if they come to you and you're like, well, I don't know, what do you think you should do? And they tell you and you're, you know, thinking to the back of your head, you're like, okay, in the tier of one to 10, that's the ninth dumbest thing I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Go do it. And, you know, obviously you have to take, you know, risk, you know, mm -hmm. there's some things you can't let them risk failure on, but there's some things you can. And then you let them go try it and they come back and they're like, that didn't work. And you're like, well, why? And then you offer that mentorship piece and you have that discussion of here's why it didn't work and here's what you didn't think of, but kind of coaching them along the way. So here's something that I wrote. And then uh, you guys tell me what you kind of think on, and this goes on the care of the soldiers. You own this problem. As a Sergeant First Class. While you might not have all the resources available, we have the position of the leadership and the soldiers available to move them out. In order to do that, you have to provide soldiers with motivation, direction, <laughs> and purpose. So the point I was trying to make is, is that when you talk about care of the soldiers, being in the Army is hard. Being in 2CR, probably even harder than being in, you know, the rest of the army sometimes mm -hmm. because of what we have to do in this organization and how important of a strategic value it is. But what I've found that if you tell soldiers why they have to do something, okay, and you help them understand that, listen, we're going to have to do X hard thing. It's not going to be easy. It's not necessarily going to be fun. But on the back end, here's what we're going to gain from it as an organization. And then, you know, X, you know, we're going to get a four day or whatever we're going to do is kind of the reward um, for doing this. But more importantly, it will raise us to this level as a platoon or as a section. Soldiers are okay with that. But see, I think what happens a lot of times, we fail to really help them kind of understand why they're having to do what they're doing. So it might be something really stupid. We've got to lay out this connex. Here's why we got to do it. And if you are just expecting your squad leaders and team leaders to convey that intent while you sit in your office writing awards and doing NCERs, you are going to fail. I agree because um, the whole explanation to soldiers, go here and do. That was how I grew up in the military. Over time, you find that explaining stuff to your soldier and giving them the big picture and giving them that end state works way better than go paint in a sense. Yep. I find when you go and like, hey, you gotta get your striker squared away because we gotta leave the field. But that incentive program sometime, hey, on back end, we'll take care of you. It works because soldiers just wanna know one, you care about them. Two, you're giving some explanation why the chaos is going on and they will execute. And I think platoon sergeant miss it sometime because they think it's, hey, I just gonna tell, I'm in charge, so I'm just gonna tell you yep. what to do. And that means just move out. But I think I think also it's a generational thing. So, for example, in the time that we came up, we went to war. I didn't need to be told to duck and cover. They were shooting at me. I didn't need to be told, make sure my trucks 
were PMCS or make sure I knew how to change a tire. I knew that that was going to be the difference between how long I stayed on the road changing a tire and my life. So I didn't need a why. I knew the why. But now we're not there anymore. All too many times I hear senior NCOs say, damn, these soldiers, they always want to know why, 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 why? Well, they don't know the why. And we have to give it to them. And that is purpose. It's not why. It's actually their purpose. If you give them the purpose, they'll execute Mm -hmm. and be able to do those tasks in between that initiative that we need them to take to make it happen the right way. Just don't assume that they know the why. It's funny. We were doing a book. I think Tom Major, you the book was called Start with the Why. After Start with Why by Simon, Simon Sinek. Sinek. Yeah. After reading that book, the way I approach stuff now is way different. Yeah, and that's I wish what it, happens. With <laughs> <you>. <laughs> and I wish, and, and that's my plan, is to give it to the lowest level. If we can reach the lowest level because that why, and then teach everybody the why, why you're doing it, we will solve a lot of problems in our organization. Because you're right, they don't know the why. To them, it's just, hey, they want me to be at the motor pool at 9.30, you know what I'm saying? Versus the reason, readiness, getting these trucks on the road. These same trucks are going to take you into battle, bring you back out to battle. My scope been doing something really kind of new, is which is putting everything in a tactical sense. So it makes more sense now to these juniors. So like, hey, man, tactically, this is why we're doing versus this. Hey, it's readiness. Okay. So it makes more sense so they can buy in a little better now so that this is combat. This is why we're doing it. The bottom line is I think that's a great TLP that you mm. just listed there for sure mm. is when you tell soldiers something to do, tell them the tactical tasks that's associated with it. Hey, we are doing this. Mm-hmm. We are going to chow <laughs> because this might be the last meal you ever eat because we might blow out in the next 72 hours. Simple things like that. Get in the habit of doing that. I think it'll have a, a lot of that explanation. So Marshall. At least from like an MI perspective, our thing is always in my, my OIC always harps on this is the so what of things. So um, of things. Okay. it's definitely a driving thing that we're supposed to at least explain when we're making an, an intelligence related product. But it needs I think that's something that can broadly be expanded into normal tasks or one time taskings. However, it is if I explain to my two soldiers or the why of something mm-hmm. needing to be done, they'll understand much better. And I think nine times out of 10, they're more motivated to at least get that thing done in the first place. In my own experience, like as the NCYC I've seen, I couldn't tell you how many soldiers that just come to the office and they're like, oh, I'm here to do X. Like, did, did, did your NCO or whomever give you any information? No, they just told me to come to the office. If you don't understand the why of something, then they're not going to be able to execute it as well either, I don't think. So I'll tell you a story. So this is when I was a squadron CSM, you know, I'm going around, it's about 1700 and I stumble upon a team leader. Two of his soldiers are just, just basically sitting there doing nothing. They're sitting on their phones and everything else. And I'm like, Hey, it's 1700. What have you done today? You know, and I could tell he's kind of tap dancing and, you know, really at the end of the day, they did a whole hell of a lot. Why are you not releasing your soldiers? And he's like, just wait a minute, Sergeant Major. And sure as shit. 1705, the platoon sergeant steps in the hallway. His platoon sergeant didn't see me. He goes, all right, man, this is what we have to get done before everybody can get off. And he starts reading off this laundry list. And he's like, that's why. We sit around because we know we're going to be here till 1700 anyway. And we know at 1705 or 1700, the platoon sergeant's going to step out in the hallway and tell us all what to do. And we're just going to have to scramble to try to get it done so we can get released for the night. Man, that is absolutely terrible leadership. Of course, when I went to the sergeant first class and I talked to him, and he's kind of going back and forth. And I'm like, listen, if your first sergeant's waiting to the last minute to tell you this stuff, 
then you've got to make a decision. You've got a couple different options here. One, you look at the first horn and you say, hey, it's 1630. You know, we got all this task done today, so I released my soldiers. It'll all have to wait till tomorrow. But the <laughs> other thing is, is what you need to do and what, what we're trying to you know talk about here as a storm first class is you have the ability to clarify guidance. You go to your first arm at the beginning of the day and you say, what do we need to do today? Okay, because I'm releasing my soldiers at 1700. Unless, you know, the earth is exploding, they're off at 1700. So please tell me. And you keep on driving that function. Okay, as a Sergeant First Class, as a Staff Sergeant, even now as a Regimental Sergeant Major, and it's not that I'm saying, you know, 7th ATC or anybody else is all messed up, but I get on distros for USRA. I want to see it trickling down and the information coming down or the taskings or the requirements coming down before it ever hits my element so that I'm not reactionary. The worst thing you can be as a SARM first class is reactionary. If you are not offering predictability, you're not doing your job. Your job goes back to caring for your soldiers. A lot of soldiers, the reason they get frustrated, the reason they get out of the army and they have a lot of discontent is because there's no predictability. Everything is a reaction. And that is the worst thing that we can do. Mm-hmm. So for, for me, I had a young PL who said, hey, man, we got to have a battle rhythm. We took some time a weekend and said, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to figure out what we need to do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So on Mondays, we say, okay, Mondays, that time I'm Campbell. So our motor pool was all of two seconds in Campbell. And then we went straight into PMCS and our weapon system. So while we're doing that, Squalier is working on counseling. And everybody had a predictable. So everybody knew, hey, Mondays is my admin days. And if you do that, it's just that battle rhythm where every soldier knows, okay, this is what I'm going to do every day. Because you're right, Simon, you come to work when he was a young joy and you're like this. I'm going to run and I'm going to get scuffed up. That was it. It just served by striking. He's looking up at the ceiling, twiddling his thumbs. <laughs> so I feel like if you provide a lot of good information and that predictability by soldiers can walk in and say, okay, today, this is what I'm going to do. It forced everybody to have a task and purpose. And then it forced you as the platoon sergeant to say, hey, first sergeant, you see all my tasks? It's done. Yeah. What's up? Yeah, absolutely. So I know uh, two first sergeants have read this, uh, the book uh, by Sergeant Major Schroeder, Behind the Colors. Mm-hmm. He categorizes the the focal points for uh, Sergeant First Classes, between Sergeants, Section Sergeants, is supervise, integrate, and coordinate. So I think that kind of fits into exactly mm-hmm. what you were kind of talking about, because the overarching theme is that predictability. You're putting out the task, you're supervising their completion, you're integrating not only the platoon internal, but any maybe outside resources mm-hmm. that are needed, and you're coordinating just kind of the construction of it all. So now let's let's transition from that. Let's talk about the presence. Why do you see that is so important? So it's important so that way you're able to guide them. Okay. Kind of like what you're saying, mm-hmm. that battle rhythm. I did a whiteboard. I would put who's going to be doing what. So I knew like if it didn't get done, I knew who I was tagging and saying, why did this not get done? Yep. Or that back brief. You know, always getting a back brief. This was completed or this was not completed. This is the hiccups that we ran into, but this is how it got done along the way. Uh, but it also gives opportunity if I am as a platoon sergeant pulled out of that um, situation where I can't be in the office to say, hey, what's next? Kind of like what you're saying at 1700, they're not waiting for me to come back. Um, at the time, I had a long winded first sergeant that would hold meetings at 1700. What? There's no such thing as a long winded first sergeant. So that at 1700, it would be like, hey, I'm going to a meeting or 1600. I'm going to a meeting and two hours later, soldiers shouldn't be waiting in the motor pool. Is the list done? Yep. If I need to go back, I can go back and see who's done what. If they have finished everything, then they know they're good to go. 
basically you systemized the results yes. making sure. And that, that was also like systemizing the supervision as well. Mm-hmm. You know? Okay. I use multiple Mondays all the time. Cause that's what we do a lot. Multiple Mondays, they put out all the stuff that happens in the multiple from the, their office. So Squally as team leaders leaves, go up to the motor pool, but two sergeants just in his office. To me, that's crazy. Is he, and he's using WhatsApp. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and that's, you know, I, I put it on my task, but were you showing that presence of you owning this whole thing? Are you showing these soldiers, hey, you buying in the same stuff you're putting on WhatsApp? Are you buying into it? Because if you're buying into it, you'll be up there. You might be turning wrenches. You might, but you might be assisting him and give me the TM. Yeah. Let me read the TM and you do the checklist. Because now soldiers like, hey, my, my platoon sergeant is out here getting some. Can, I'm not asking you to do it. I'm asking you to be there and show your soldiers, hey, this is the correct way of doing it if they're doing it the wrong way. Or show them, hey, the things you're putting out, the things that are important to you, mm-hmm. you're right there showing them. You're telling them that that's important. Yeah. Text message is not how you lead. Well, you can't see the context that comes with no, it. No, absolutely not. And then you end up on Army WTF <laughs> moments, you know. The information does not trickle down. And if you're doing it on WhatsApp, it's not trickling mm-hmm. down. There has to be that face-to-face distribution of information. I think, you know, your system's way of kind of doing that. I used to do the same thing as platoon sergeant. I had a whiteboard task for the day. If it was an administrative day with every single squad and they just checked when they completed. And then at the end, they knew, hey, done with everything. Anything else? Nope. Good. Didn't matter if it was 1430. Didn't matter if it was 1500. They were done. They were done. Most of the time I was like, hey, did you hit the gym? Yeah or nay? Are you going to? Good. You get out of here. You we know? used to do, if you went to ACS and sign up for a class, I would give you an early release. That's a good So idea. if they went to a finance class, if they did a three-part finance class, they got a three-day. Nice. So it was a way, a forcing mechanism to, number one, eliminate the pay problems because that's like 90% of your issues. Yeah. Uh, but number two, it, it teaches the young soldiers when they become NCOs, like, hey, send your soldiers to these finance classes or because they can actually beneficial. assist. Oh, that's good. I'm a face-to-face person, taking notes from my team leader. Yep. And when you become a squad leader, those take notes. You know, so, yeah. I, so it's like you writing down something on a piece of paper makes me realize that you're, you're taking it notes. So I know you, it's put out. Because I'm a wet person. I'm a wet person. I'll be like, hey, man, okay, let me flip through my book. It's on this day. Let me flip through your paper. It should be on this day. And I'd force people. I think we lost the art of being a sound first class. I agree. My platoon sergeant, he wasn't mean, he was quiet, but when he spoke, you listen. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He had a present. I think that you're talking about the present. The present was like, hey, he speak. This man is about to speak now. So, all right. So, let's get ready for this. Tying that back just a little bit, too, is if you're a platoon sergeant and you have a private that, or a, a soldier that you, you know, that didn't show up to something that he was supposed to show up to, you need, immediately need to question yourself and go, what did I not communicate properly? Yes, platoons aren't. This is on you. You can fit every single soldier that you have in your platoon on one whiteboard. And everything, every appointment, NCOER, everything that is due, their DD-93s, SGLIs, you can fit it on one whiteboard. So therefore, you can follow up and make sure that everything happens. You should be answering questions for your first sergeant. Because you know NCOERs are due. You yeah. write them. You know awards are due. But sometimes you get a lot of platoon sergeants waiting for that first sergeant to say, hey, 30, 60, 90. Yeah. Were you not tracking this? Yeah, you should be <laughs> tracking this. Uh, so I've always operated under this belief ever since I was, you know, probably a mm-hmm. squad leader, you know, a little bit, you know, getting a little bit senior as a squad leader. I never, ever want my higher headquarters to ask me for something That's a good thing. because of what I found was the more I'm ahead of it, the less 
scrutiny I have, yep. the less I'm micromanaged. Or you, know? you could create the standard that, too. that everybody has to use now and mm -hmm. you don't have to worry about having to do some other extra work. No, you're right, Marshall. What's some tips and techniques to maintain accountability of your section? Uh, well, sir, Major, so I've actually borrowed First Sergeant Torres, your technique with the whiteboard. It's like something relatively recently that I started doing. We had too much time, I think, where it was like downtime, but things should still be getting done. Essentially, what this is, this was designed to is to list out everyone's normal jobs, what their repetitive taskings were that we knew were going to keep happening on a weekly basis, develop that battle rhythm, uh, as well as having like one-time taskings or something that we knew the date that it was going to need to be done. Yep. At the end of all that was what we needed to achieve as a section by X date. Okay. And it's working pretty well so far. Um, I think we've got a lot better grasp on things and we're making better progress in some of the things that we've been wanting to keep uh, working on as we progress towards our, our own EFP mission. Okay. The exactness is a little bit more of what I wanted to put on there, but okay. it was also drawn from fellow NCICs as well yeah, as my OIC. Mm -hmm. No, and I think, you know, it goes back into, you know, what First Sergeant Torres is, is that you as a platoon sergeant, you're not trying to solve your platoon's problems. You're trying to solve your troops' problems. And then to add on that even more, if you are a platoon sergeant or you're a first sergeant and you think your job is to answer emails and make sure all the administrative data is done for your platoon, you're not doing your job. Your job is to establish a system to make sure all that stuff do gets done and you supervise and you make sure that it's completed and it's all executed. Your job is to train. That is your mm -hmm. job as a platoon sergeant, is to train your platoon. Good platoon sergeants are great trainers. More importantly, forecast for quality training. And they make sure that the supervision and the coordination is done so that training is quality. So something I use in the troop is um, I use a troop one note. Okay. Uh, if Microsoft OneNote, um, I can go in there and put down 306090 for right. personnel readiness or medical readiness. And the platoon sergeants can go in and type in their information. Okay. So there's a note section. It's my whiteboard where each platoon in their location can open up and see. Just hey, a this digital is version. Yeah. Yeah. And they can even copy and paste their platoon stuff and create their own platoon OneNote where their squad leaders can do that same. And it's literally a copy and paste instead of getting emails, getting text messages, and now I have to transfer it onto some paper. That's like an hour of yeah. work. If I'm just copying and pasting, boom, send the email out, I'm done. Now I can actually get out somewhere. The digital, it helps us and it hinders us in a way, like kind of like what you were saying uh, yeah. in one of your messages, like you got to be able to stop and say, is this email important? Can I answer it now or, or can I wait for later? Yeah. And get out and see the soldiers. It goes into that kind of predictability. As you as a platoon sergeant, you should be predict. You should step into that first sergeant meeting and go, hey, first sergeant, I know you're going to ask about OCDT till, uh, you know, in November. So here's the, here's, you know, we got six. So I think I'm up for two. So here's my two names. If you start to do that as a platoon sergeant, if you start to just like first sergeant Phillips said, mm -hmm. you're answering the questions before they're asked. You will make everybody's life just yeah. a lot easier. And just like you said for Sergeant Torres, it will start to set the standard. Graduate level of that is working with your other platoon sergeants and saying, hey, we have six coming up. I got gunnery going on that week. Can you take three? I'll provide one because I have this E5 that can't go do gunnery because of X, Y, and Z reason. And then can you take two? Okay, cool. Let's take those names on the next first arm meeting. Let's go in and do them. If you start to create that space of that predictability and getting ahead of the taskings, get ahead of all these other things, then you will have the time that First Sergeant Tortoise is talking about there where you can go around and you can do these different things. But that's not the way it works most of the time. Most of the time, it's reactionary. Well, I think also we have to understand the first sergeants don't run the troop. The platoon sergeants run the troop. Yeah. And if communication is going well, the troop is fluent. 
the three runs the squadron and the SCO and Sergeant Major, that gives them the opportunity to walk around and be the face of the organization. All right. So let's go way, way, way back. Let's talk about officers. Okay, let's talk about the importance of the officer relationship in a platoon. The officer dynamic is new for platoon sergeants. Yeah, you work with them maybe as a squad leader or like you're in a lucky position like you are, Marshall, where, you know, you work with officers every day. But uh, it's an interesting relationship that that you have to work out. And uh, before I kind of, you know, ask you guys your kind of thoughts on it, I say it like this. Listen, these lieutenants, you know, for the most part, this is their first time at leadership in the Army. Yes, they might have grew up as cadets. Heck, they could even have been in West Point and they got multiple years of it. But it's very, very different when you're in an operational force and you got to stand in front of a platoon of 50 people. And now you are the platoon leader. And I've seen platoon sergeants in the past that just say, hey, sir, you just sit here, you just do this, and I'll do everything else. And they never really kind of provide that mentorship and help them understand what their role is in the platoon and build credibility and build trust in the PL. And the thing that platoons aren't, you know, star first classes have to think of is eventually that lieutenant will be troop commander. And if they never understood the role as a PL, a platoon leader, then how are they going to do that job correctly? It's important that you do that as a Sergeant First Class because you are training a future officer who will be a troop commander someday. And he needs to understand the roles and the responsibilities of being a platoon leader. I think there's times where you have to be able to tell that platoon leader, hey, today I need you to be a private. You need to learn the basics of radio communication. Okay. But then you need to say, sir, this is where I need you to step up. This is your realm. You show them their roles so that way they understand how to communicate effectively at each level and uh, what they need to bring back to the table. So if you're going to a platoon sergeant meeting, you bring back stuff from the first sergeant. But when the PL goes to the commander's meeting, they need to be able to come back with the commander's intent. So that way it can go all the way down if that platoon sergeant isn't involved. And they need to understand, like, this is what we are looking for in order Mm. to run this platoon fluently. The first thing I used to do with my PLs when I was a platoon Mm. sergeant was crack open a beer, have a conversation and learn about them while I helped them put their kit together. That was the first thing I always did. And I had four PLs when I was a platoon sergeant. They had to look the part. And if their kit was all messed up and it looked like a a dumpster fire, it wasn't going to be good. They were instantly not going to gain respect. So it instantly helped them set up their kit. That was the very first thing I would do. And then I'd learn about them and I'd learn about their background and understand because also what you learn through that is communication, how they communicate, how they think, you know, and what kind of person they are and what's important to them and everything else and help kind of shape what they wanted to be as a leader. I tell my PLs and I tell them, you know, in my, my platoon sergeant, sir, you're going to meet our organization with that. So you, okay. have, you, you might have this vision. I want these guys to do whatever, but you got to look at the organization and say, hey, can they do that? I want everybody running zero minute, two miles. <laughs> Yeah, I want four. I want I want you know, five miles in forty minutes, and I want everybody to get three hundred on the PT yeah. test. And you're like, like, sir, I've been here a while. Your feelings gonna get hurt. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you have to be that common sense and set the expectations. And that's yeah. what puts you. And so I the same thing. I was on my PL asking, hey, sir, what do you want? What's your vision first? Yeah. And he speaks, hey, I want to do all this stuff. I said, okay, tracking. At the end of the day, this is your platoon, uh-huh. but. I can help you get to that end state. But overall, listen, you're in charge. I'm going to support you. My job is to support you to get there. Don't think this is, hey, platoon sergeant lane. and There's leader. And, yeah, this is leader. But I should be able to leave for the day and my PL can go to a first sergeant meeting. Yeah. That's what you want. The reverse is that you find company commanders, I call them bitter company commanders, because they were burned by one of us. Yeah. By one of us. Absolutely. And I can't be mad. I just always say, I can't be mad because some of us mess it up. Yeah. So my job as a 
platoon sergeant is to show you, hey, this is what NCOs can do for you. Yeah. This is what I bring to the table. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I've seen officers, you know, that marginalize or discredit or, you know, maybe just don't value the input of a non-commissioned mm-hmm. officer. And the reason is because exactly what you said, somebody broke their trust. A senior non-commissioned officer broke their trust somewhere along the way. So um, when I was a platoon sergeant, my platoon leader, um, we had very, very candid conversations, which allowed us to be like groom each other. Mm-hmm. And he would say, hey, you are you are spot on on a lot of stuff, but you speak at a 10th grade level. Oh, boy. And I looked at him and he was like, don't buy my head off because I know you're ready to do it. He was like, but start reading anything, because if you can speak and Sam, I am. I like eggs and ham. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like if you could speak, people yeah. will listen Absolutely. versus you stand there, you open your mouth. You can't really articulate. Yeah. And then. The next time you come to say something, people are just going to dismiss you. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it's helped me. But I think that's one thing that makes a great sergeant first class, because yeah. as a senior non-commissioned officer, as mm. soon as you open your mouth, yeah, they're either going to listen to you yeah, and judge. take what you say, or they're just going to dismiss you and they will always dismiss you. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you have to make sure that once you pin on that rank, you know exactly how you're yeah. speaking or or who your audience is and speak to that audience on that level. No, I mean, your ability to communicate, I think that's another thing that, you know, when you talk about Sergeant First Classes, you know, senior NCOs, they need to be able to communicate clear and concisely. And if you've ever heard a senior NCO that just rambles on, like we were talking about at the beginning, it's mm-hmm. because no one's ever kind of looked at them and said, hey, you don't communicate well. The other thing is, is you need to practice practice and gain feedback from people and say, hey, I asked you this. What did you think? Did you understand what I was trying to say? Don't be afraid to solicit that feedback. Toon leader is a great person to do that for you, but you can also do that with your squad leaders mm-hmm. as well. I think E6, that's staff sergeant. If you see a platoon sergeant speaking, that's that's, that's what you're going to do. And I tell my, my platoon sergeant, when these guys back briefing to you, yes, it's funny to hear guys curse and say, you know, we're going to kill the enemy and all this. But at the end of the day, that's not going to be the leader people's going to listen to. Yeah. Plain so that's not going to be. And it's your job to mentor the staff sergeant to take your job and understand that, hey, it's not like these guys going to be infantry kicking on doors all their life. These guys are going to transition. <laughs> so that's the other thing is so the MDMP process. Mm-hmm. So um, in ALC, that was like my pet peeve. The worst thing we can do is be senior non-commissioned officers drinking a cup of coffee, listening to MDMP go on. And we sit there and when something happens, they're like, who allowed this to come to fruition? Like, this is the stupidest Mm -hmm. idea I would ever think of. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Who thought of this? Well, the lieutenants that had or the captains who didn't have that operational experience. But there was a master sergeant or a sergeant first first class class sitting there. Drinking a cup of coffee saying this ain't going to turn out well instead of saying, stop, let's not do this to those soldiers. Because, I mean, these tenants, what Mm. they really lack is they lack the confidence, the experience and the judgment, you know, because of their time in the army. But you were a Sergeant First Class at how many years for Sergeant Phillips? Uh, Fourteen. Fourteen. And how about you for Sergeant Taurus? Twelve years. Twelve years. That dwarfs everybody else in your entire troop. You have more experience. You've seen more things. You've seen things go wrong more times than anybody else outside the first sergeant. Even your troop commander, you have two and a half more times experience than most troop commanders, if not three times as much experience. So, you know, you need to be that common sense approach. And if you're sitting in the back and the only time you talk as a star first class is when Kazavak comes up or logistics comes up, please go see a recruiter or your legal advisor and ask how you get out of the army. Okay, because you're not doing your job. So I remember a time, the first time I ever met you, 
like no it was we was doing a car rehearsal and something is said it's like hey man i want my you know my platoon sergeant time first class you know to speak up not because i need you all to know you know use the correct verbiage just to speak up yeah yeah and i remember saying i'm like that makes sense just you know you might not know what term but if you speak up enough times people are going to listen and you're going to learn the verbiage over time but when you see something going wrong speak up but yeah. I think also if you have those other senior non-commissioned officers there to help out, uh, it allows you to speak. And then you have Sergeant Major Burke who completely understands you and can articulate yeah. it better, giving you that guidance and that knowledge. I think Wait, uh, did she just insult me? <laughs> <laughs> she just called me dumb? I think she just no, called I me said, dumb. I, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm messing with you. Go, go ahead. Go ahead, sir. I think a big component of that, at least as far as like relating your knowledge, as we've said, nine times out of 10, you're going to have at least twice as much, sometimes more experience than the officer who your counterpart is or who yeah. you're working through MDMP through. A big part of it I found is just being tactfully respectful, but at the same time, you have to maintain that knowledge that you are the SME and you probably know more than the rest of the people in the room do. I found as long as you're respectful to that person and you keep like pushing your point forward and not remaining quiet about whatever the issue is, usually at least you can make some kind of progress and make a, an effect on that. You know, and I would even uh, kind of take that up to another, another level, a graduate level. You want to build validity, you want to build credibility, you want to build trust in a platoon leader in the middle of an op order or something or some kind of brief, lean over to him and say, hey, sir, you should ask about this. And, tell, and, and it being legit. And then they ask that. And then, you know, somebody's like, oh, yeah, we didn't think of that. But if you do that once in a while, it does a couple different things. One, it really forms that team. You are a platoon team together, builds a credibility, but also it makes them go, okay, I'm not just here to listen. I am here to process, to understand, and I need to be asking questions. And then I make sure that, it, you know, we're understanding and we're thinking through this, mm -hmm. you know, and it just really, really kind of builds that credibility. If you start doing that, uh, you'd be amazed at the results that you would kind of get. Okay. Are you For you two first arms, I'm going to ask you, what would be the final kind of advice you would give a SARM first class or somebody that's aspiring to be a SARM first class? Look at training your replacement. The guy's going to take your job. And if you go in with that mentality, you're going to get proficient in the stuff that you're good at and train that young staff sergeant. What will make this guy a better leader than me? I would give this guidance. When you put on the rank of sergeant first class, it's almost like when you pin on from specialist to sergeant. It's a whole different realm. Mm. Now you enter the realm of the senior non-commissioned officer. So what I say with that is remember to humble yourself. You will always be number two. And I say number two because your PL is number one. Yeah. Your team is number one. You can only make your team better as long as you're not focused on you. So as you care for your soldiers, as you care for your platoon leader, that platoon leader is going to answer to the commander. So your platoon can be number one. Your platoon leader can be number one. But always focus on yourself as number two. If you put everybody first, you'll be fine. All right. Staff Sergeant Marshall, question comes to you. What do you expect us in our first class? There's a lot of different things that roll into what a staff sergeant or sergeant or even lower would expect out of the platoon sergeant. But I think at the end of the day, there's three big things. The first thing is the ability to provide mentorship. Completely mentor soldiers, not just in what your job is, but how day-to-day -day Army life is. 
programs uh, they should be doing, digging into their own personal lives, or at least having that understanding and relationship with their personal lives so that you can have that better relationship with them. Another piece I say would probably be the bedrock, I would say, of being the platoon sergeant is knowledge of what your job or your craft is. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't be there without the knowledge of years of experience in the job and being able to provide that knowledge to your soldiers below you. The last thing I would say would be uh, the ability to step back and delegate. My very first platoon sergeant when I was in Korea said that the most important thing for him to be able to understand was the ability to delegate. Because a lot of times, and I've had issues with this as just in my role as an NCIC, is I want to be able to get my hands into the work all the time. I'm probably too not too easy about letting things go and letting subordinates handle things because I just want to be able to do it myself. I remember him saying that you have to be able to give that responsibility to other people and trust that they will do those jobs because you provided that training. So you have to be at, at a certain point, you have to be willing to step back and be able to be the administrator. Oh, that's good. I want to say first, just absolute phenomenal job. Uh, first Sergeant, uh, Staff Sergeant Marshall. So kind of in closing thoughts, you know, what I would say to all the Sergeant First Classes, you know, the section sergeants and everybody else in the formation. If you find yourself as a platoon sergeant, not having soldiers and leaders that are constantly coming to you with their problems, it's for two reasons. One, you're not approachable. And the second is, is they've lost their confidence in your ability to get results. So in order to be able to do that, You've got to get down to the lowest levels and you got to constantly be present and in communicating and going through the things that your formation's going through. Don't be afraid to pick up a broom with an extra duty soldier and sweep with them and have a discussion and talk to them about what's going on. If you do that and you constantly humble yourself like First Sergeant Torres said, and you just adopt that you are part of a supporting cast, your platoon, your troop, more importantly, will be able to accomplish anything. But it requires investment on your part and understanding that you are a professional, truly investing in what we call this Army profession of being a senior non-commissioned officer. Again, thank you guys. Great job. Appreciate you coming into the episode. I think you guys absolutely crushed it. This is your good seventh sign off the day.